Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Current. I'm David. Uh, what would it look like to live a life of power? To live a life of such inner equilibrium, of such poise and stability that you could face no matter what came at you in life? And even more than that, a life of such power that even in the hard times, you could have incredible impact. As we look at Hebrews chapter 11, we find that to live a life of power is to live a life of faith. We're continuing today our series onward as we consider how God doesn't just want us to survive during hard times, meaning just to eke it through and get, get by, which we find ourselves in hard times right now. 2021 here, I mean, looking back at the year behind us and even at the start of this year, God doesn't want us just to survive, nor does he want us just to thrive. If by thriving we mean, you know, having an inner well-being in the midst of it all. He wants us to have peace, but God doesn't want us just to thrive even. No, what God wants and invites us into is to partner with him in his life-changing eternal work. And we get to do that through lives of faith, Hebrews tells us. Uh, we looked at uh, last week the nature of faith and we considered how faith is understanding, how faith is confidence, how faith is commitment. If you missed that message, you can find it on our website. But today, we start to get into the heart of Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 4, where we see case study after case study of ancient men and women of faith. And what I love about this chapter is not only do we get in the first three verses that we looked at last week, a great statement and helpful understanding of what faith is and what it looks like, but in the rest of the chapter, we get these flesh and blood stories of that faith living out in these men and women's lives as they faced hard things themselves. And by the way, being imperfect people, deeply flawed themselves, but men and women of faith who not only from their understanding of God, but seeing how God met them in the midst of those hard times, lived lives of faith and therefore lives of power. Because we saw last week in verse two that it was this, their faith that the ancients were commended for, that God saw and was pleased by. Meaning faith that didn't just get them through the hard times, nor even just allowed them to have incredible impact through hard times, but allowed them to bring honor and glory to their heavenly father. Today, we're going to consider the account of Abel, which really goes back to the first few pages of the Bible in the book of Genesis. Abel was one of the sons of Adam and Eve, and we get to see in his account, we'll see here, how he lived a life of faith through bringing an offering that was pleasing to God. So today we're going to be talking about offering, what it is and why it's relevant and important today. And, and perhaps most importantly, how offerings are a way for us, an opportunity for us to live lives of faith and even therefore lives of power. So let me pray and then we'll jump into today's text. Father, thank you so much that we can gather in this way, even, even virtually. Would you please give us your spirit as we consider your word? Would you speak to us? Would you teach us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's lead, read uh, from Hebrews 11, chapter 4, just one verse today. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. 
The story of Abel and his older brother Cain is again found in the book of Genesis chapter 4, there at the very beginning of the Bible. And we're told in that story that one day Abel and Cain decided to bring offerings to the Lord. Cain, we're told, worked the soil, which meant he was a farmer. Abel, we're told, kept flocks which meant he was a herdsman or a shepherd. Both wanted to bring from their their produce, from their livestock, an offering to God. Now, what's interesting about their story is it's an account of events that happened long, long, long before Moses would establish in the nation of Israel the offering system or the sacrificial system which was set up in part for the Israelites, the the people of God, to bring expressions of love and gratitude and worship to God. A way that the Israelites, at least in part, could say, God, you've provided for us in so many ways. You've taken care of us. From you flow all things that that are good. And so we are just gonna bring back in a small way things that we can express to you how much we're grateful and how much we trust you. Well, Abel and Cain, long before that was formalized into a a practice, just felt compelled on their own to do this, which I think is a helpful understanding of how our hearts work because it goes to show that we're wired this way, which is is really good and wonderful. Consider it on the the human-to-human level for a minute. Uh, many of you are people who go around and, and help people and look, look for tangible ways to serve people. I know there's a lot of you at Current just looking for ways to kind of care for people in, in tangible ways. Uh, Cindy, my, my wife, is just she, she just does this just, just so well. Always looking for ways to love and care for people in tangible ways, even anticipating things that people might need so she can help them, friends, neighbors. Well, most recently what she's been doing is, is making homemade ice cream for folks. And yeah, we gifted it a homemade ice cream machine uh, for Christmas to her, and I've already yeah, gained uh, probably about five pounds because of it. But she's just, you know, in the midst of shelter in place, she's just thinking, how can I love and bring joy to people's lives? So she's making this really good ice cream and, and bring it to folks. And what I've found uh, in, invariably to happen, and not in such a way where Cindy's seeking this in any sort of way or expecting this, but often when Cindy brings a gift, say it's this homemade ice cream, is people will in return want to do something nice for her or our family. Again, this is not sought after, but oftentimes people will say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give a gift or a, a thank you note of saying, hey, I just thank you so much for giving that. I don't want to like show you how I'm, I'm grateful. I don't want to give you something. I mean, this is how we're, we're wired. Often when someone does something nice for us, we want to find a way to express Thanksgiving back to them. Look, if that's how our hearts are wired, kind of on a, on a mutual human-to-human level, how much more so for us if we believe in God? Looking back again to what we talked about last week in, in Hebrews 11, verse 3, where if we, if we understand that God made the universe, that he provides for us, that he brought us into being, how much more are we going to want to say thank you and find a way to express that love back to him? In our text, we're given commentary of those events in Genesis chapter 4. So again, Hebrews 11, 4 says, By faith, Abel brought, a, uh, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. Here's what we, here's what we learn about offering and a life of faith. Offerings are our opportunity to worship God. Offerings, bringing offering is is a chance that we get to express our love and gratitude to God. It's a way for us to say, God, thank you. 
God, you provide for us. And God, I, I trust you. You're, you're the one that I find my security in. It's worship. It's a way for us to give back when God has so freely given to us. And what I think we need to understand and we can so easily miss is that it's no small thing to bring offering to the Lord. I mean, I just imagine Abel that day waking up in the morning and just determining in his mind, you know, I want to do something. I want to bring an offering to God, just to express my love and gratitude to him. I mean, on the surface, that doesn't seem like a, a day of days, like something super special. I mean, it's meaningful, but it ended up being otherwise what might seem like a small thing, an incredibly big thing because God saw it as beautiful and meaningful. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. It might have seemed like a small thing, but God saw it as an incredibly big thing as he was deeply moved by it, he, how he was honored by it, how it, how it glorified God. Offerings are an opportunity for us, even if they might seem like a small little thing, for us to do nothing less than worship the living God from whom all good things flow. But we're also told by faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain. What was going on there? And what do we learn from this? Well, again, we're told that both Abel and Cain uh, brought their offering on that day. And here's how it was described in Genesis 4, verse 4, that God regarded Abel's offering, but he did not regard Cain's offering. Let's see if we can hear from the language back there in Genesis 4, what was going on and what was, why, why this was the case. Cain, who again worked the soil, we're told, brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to God. Abel, on the other hand, who kept flocks, brought an offering consisting of fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flocks. So clearly there are different trades, but Cain was kind of just going through the motions, thinking, what, what can I just give to kind of give? Whereas Abel, it's clear, was thinking, what can I give to express most deeply and fully, how much I am just grateful to the Lord. And so he brought the fat portions of the livestock, of, of the firstborn. Now, when I read the fat portions and how that's, you know, really implied to be, you know, of, of the better parts, you know, as a barbecuer now, I, I, I realize how true that is. Uh, I've gotten into a smoking barbecue, smoking meats, which is, which is just a real fun process of barbecuing where you just, you know, cook things at a real slow rate such that, you know, as they come to temp so slowly, the, the juices remain on the inside, so they're really tasty in that sense. And then you also use certain uh, wood fuel to, like, infuse different unique flavors into the meat. So it's just, it's just a really fun hobby that I've gotten into. Well, every once in a while, when I'm really feeling up for it, I'll decide I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smoke up a brisket. But I have to be really feeling up for it because it's a big undertaking to smoke brisket. I mean, for, for starters, just picking out a brisket can be a big, big undertaking. Uh, I don't even bother going to the butcher shops. I like, it's just too much work for me to do that. So I, I just go to Costco and I look for a brisket there. And every time I go to Costco, they don't necessarily have a brisket, let alone the times that I actually feel up for cooking one. Um, and so when they actually happen to have them, when I actually want to do it, it's like, all right, we're going to do this. And then once you start to cook the brisket, it's a huge undertaking. To give you an idea, the last brisket I smoked up took 18 hours of cook time. <laughs> so with prep time and resting time, it easily was over 20 hours. So it's, it's a major labor of love. And then on top of it, briskets are notoriously uh, challenging to figure out when to pull them off 
the barbecue. I mean, you can very easily pull them off too soon, undercook them and pull or pull them off too late and just dry it out and then you spend all this time and you're just like, oh, it didn't turn out too, too good. So that's, that's what it's like to smoke up a brisket, which is why when friends every once in a while will text me, hey, I've cooked up a brisket, you want some? I'll be like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take some brisket. And then when they deliver it, I'll just be like looking at it and I'll be like, wow, man. Like, and regardless of what slice they cut for me, I'm, I'm gonna be happy, right? Because I know it's a real labor of love. But, but they'll bring sometimes, often, like kind of the, the portion of the, the cut that's from the point end or the fatty end, which is just to say the really kind of like sought after best part and of which is just a small portion of it's like that's like the cream of the crop and you only get a little bit of it meaning if you're giving it away you're <laughs> and so when i get that i'm like okay this is this is love right here i love that that guy and man abel was bringing the best part he was just he was just thinking how can i how can i just express to you lord in a way that i humbly can like you give you give all things everything's from you all this livestock that that you've allowed me to have is from you so man i want to i want to choose from the firstborn because I, is that a way i can probably show just extra like i trust you god for the next you know cycle of when when you know livestock is reproducing and all I, i'm going to trust you and i'm going to give you even parts that i myself would probably desire because that's what i want you to know about what I care. Whereas Cain, on the other hand, you know, looked at the, you know, brought some fruits. He's just kind of like, hey, I'm going to do this, but, you know, what can I give so that it's, you know, doesn't hurt too much? Or what we see here from that story, and then also the commentary of our of our text today in Hebrews four, is that when it comes to offering, God is concerned most with our hearts. He's looking mostly. He's looking. He's looking at our hearts because. Bringing offering is about worship. It's not so much about the actual tangible thing or resources or whatever money, whatever it is we bring that God cares about, but, but our hearts is what he's looking at. Look, did God need this offering from Abel or Cain? I mean, no, right? And if there's any place in the Bible where that's abundantly clear, it's in Genesis 4. Why? Because it flipped back a few pages from Genesis 4, you see the creation account which is literally God bringing all things out of nothing. God, God doesn't need any offering. He doesn't need anything from us. But also notice in our verse today, these all important words. It says, by faith, Abel brought God his offering. It does not say that by works, Abel brought his offering, nor does it say by skill, Abel brought his offering, but by faith, Abel brought his offering. That is what God commended. Abel's act of faith, of, of worship, the expression behind what it was he was actually bringing. God does care about the actual offering, but as it pertains to what that means in our hearts of worship, it's an expression of love. It's an expression of, of trust and of gratitude. It's a way that we get to worship the Lord. And the Bible teaches this over and over again in any number of places that this is the case, that God cares about the offering itself, sure, but especially as it pertains to our hearts. Probably the most classic example of this 
is a time when Jesus took his 12 disciples, his 12 main students, into the temple courts and sat down near where everybody was bringing their offerings. They were bringing money to pay, uh, to, to put into the temple treasury to kind of help things kind of run. And Jesus kind of plopped himself down and was watching the folks do that which in and of itself is kind of an interesting thought to consider because I don't know about you, but, but most of the time when we're, well, I mean, not most of the time, every time we're taking offering at current, I'm always trying to look away. Like that's a precious moment between folks and it would be awkward for me to look at, right? I mean, that's what we probably do, but Jesus was over there watching everybody. Why is that? Because the offerings were to him. He is God. He is the Son of God. And he was watching everybody put their gift in there, as, as he does today, because that was their worship to him that he was receiving. And what he said to his disciples in that moment was very, you know, these, these really amazing words, helpful words when it comes to understanding offering. He said to them, he said, look, all these people are giving out of their, their wealth. There's a lot of people who are putting large amounts of money in there. He said, they're, they're giving out of their wealth. But then a, a widow came by. A poor widow. And she said, he said, look at her. She put in a few mites, a few fractions of some coins, very little money. He said, all of them are giving out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, gave everything. Just stressing the point that God isn't, he doesn't need money. He doesn't need our fat portions of the, he doesn't need anything that we can do for him as an act of offering. But what he cares most about, what's most precious to him is our hearts as we express ourselves through those offerings, through those sacrifices, as worship to him. Another example in the scriptures is when Jesus is teaching on the Sermon of, of the Mount, his, his most famous sermon of all in Matthew 5 through 7. And at one point he's talking about the commandment, thou shalt not murder, and he's kind of helping extrapolate how that means, not just like the physical act of murder, but you need to not hate people. It, what's more, he says, don't even hold contempt towards people. And then he said this, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and reconcile, be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. First, notice that Jesus does not say, if you are offering a gift at the altar, and remember that you have done something against your brother or sister. He doesn't say that. He says, if you remember that, that your brother or sister has done something against you, leave your gift there for the time being. That's not to say neglect it entirely, but first go and be reconciled. Meaning, with, within your power, do what you can to try to bring healing and restoration to that relationship. Then come back and offer that offering to God. Why would Jesus say that? Again, because God is after our hearts. He cares most about our hearts. Not this gift that we bring, meaning if we bring something and we realize that there's a relationship that's off or there's something that we, you know, that we, we know God would want us to do, that we should, we should give that first priority and say, okay, the Lord wants, like I'm bringing this knowing that I have this relationship that's out of sync. I, should, I, need, to, I need to commit to go making that right as I can come back and, and give this gift. God cares about our hearts. And then uh, there's the Psalm 51, where the ancient King David is really in this great Psalm of confession, just kind of working through the fact that he is overcome with the wrongness that he had committed. The story there is he had committed adultery and the weight of the, 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 the wrongness there was, it was hitting him. 
And he said these words, open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Now, is that, is that to say that the actual offering never, you know, never matters and we should never bring any offering? That's not what David is saying. He's saying in relation to you know, having done this terrible thing, that he knows before the Lord he has done. He needs to not just like bring an offering to kind of appease God and get God to maybe, you know, think better of him, but rather consider the weight of his sin first as the act of worship itself. Taking that seriously, confessing it, doing what's in his power to make it right, um, even as God does care about offerings. It's mostly, it's, it's about, it's about the heart what we see here is God cares about our hearts and offerings are an opportunity where we get to say and express our love, our trust, and our worship to God. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. By faith is repeated twice here in what I just read, three times total in our one verse which is to say, it seems to me the Hebrews writer is really emphasizing, it's not so much the physical or tangible offering that pleased God, but what was behind it, the act and heart of love and worship. All right, so what does this mean for us today? What does this look like today? For we still today get to give to God. We get to bring offering. What does that look like? Well, for starters, this is what our time of offering is about on Sunday mornings as, as a church when we collect the offertory. You know, I think it's real easy for those outside looking into the church or maybe even people new to, the, new to church or, or maybe folks who've been at church for a long time see the offertory or the time where we collect offering as, a, as you know, like membership fees or initiation, you know, dues or whatever it might be. But it's not ultimately about that. Uh, let me let me just say that the Lord has set it up to the to the place that offerings do help the church go about its work and its purpose. You know, helping the people who are serving the church, equipping the church, you know, do what they need to do and live. That go, that harkens back all the way to the Levite system, the priestly class of the ancient Israelites, who when the the people of God brought in their offerings. God said, set aside a portion of every offering so that the Levites are taken care of, so that their needs are met. But also offerings are for the church to, to, to feed the, and care for the poor, to equip the saints, to be a gospel light in the community. It goes on and on. Yeah, that's absolutely part of the deal. That's absolutely biblical and what God cares about when it comes to offering. But it's not to say that that's what it's first and foremost about. What it's first and foremost about is worship. Bringing to God our finances, our, 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 our produce, whatever, however you put it, and saying, Lord, I just I th thank you for who you are and what you've done. And you know, right now we live in this you know, digital age, especially when we're sheltered in place, everything's virtual. So this is a little bit hard to like figure out, but I think it's all the more important that we need to, when we take offering as a church, really stop and remember this is first and foremost worship. To find a way of just pausing our hearts and saying, thank you, Lord. 
back in the day before you know uh, we gave offerings so more more or less on electronic which is wonderful allows us to kind of you know automate it and just kind of all that sort of thing we used to come up and like you know most churches you'd go up and you'd you know put the money or check into an offering basket in the front or whatever system they had set up and I remember my parents from time to time would have us kids and so I would get to do this bring the the check that you know they wrote for for our offering that week and it was it was really meaningful for me as a kid because it, it helped me see very tangibly like this is not just you know exchange of of a check it's it's it was a worshipful moment as i as i put it in to the offering basket that's still true today even as we kind of exist in this virtual format where we need to just stop and remember that it's not just something that's happening off in the virtual distance but, but a moment so I would just encourage you, a moment of worship. I would encourage you as we do the offertory, as that comes up as a part of our service, that is a dedicated time for, for worship. Maybe it's a time where you could pray something like, Father, as we do this offering, and, and I, I, just, I just want to say thank you for the way that you take care of me, my household, the way that you just provide in any number of ways with our jobs, with our, with our, with our home, with our housing. You know, our security is not in those things, and really those things could be taken from us at any, any, any time. No, our security and our trust is in you. And so we just very humbly say, this is our way of coming back and saying thank you. We, we trust you. Our, 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 we're, we worship you with this. I encourage you also in that time, to pray for the church that the leadership would steward these funds uh, well and, and uh, strategically and, 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 and so on. Uh, this is just meant to be a time of worship. I'm often asked how much we should, we should give. And so just to give a real quick thought on that, just to kind of, as you think about it, again, the spirit of this is not so much an amount, but, but our heart. And so what I'd encourage you to do is if you've never given before, I'd say prayerfully consider giving something. Because the reason for that is God says he, elsewhere in the scriptures that he loves a cheerful giver. Meaning if we brought a big amount and we're not <laughs> cheerful about it, he's like, don't, don't bring it. Because again, God doesn't need anything. And so if you've never given anything, prayerfully consider giving something. And if you've given something, prayerfully consider giving regularly. And if you've given regularly or are giving regularly, prayerfully consider giving proportionally. You know, modern day terms of, you know, what the, the Old Testament describes as a, as a tithe, this whole idea, which was 10% back in the day, which this side of Christ and what he did for us on the cross and the New Testament teaches that it's no longer like a 10%, like it's, it, that was meant to be as essentially training wheels to help us understand what it is we are to bring and what, what bringing offering could look like. 10% is a helpful thought though. In the, the old days, that was a way of helping folks know like this is an amount that, that I actually feel. It is an amount to say that, you know, I'm, I'm actually feeling this. And, and so I, it's, 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 it's a, hey, Lord, Lord, I'm bringing this to you as, by saying, I trust you. And this is, this is a sacrificial offering to you. So if you've never, uh, if, you, if you're giving regularly, consider giving uh, proportionally. If, you, if, you, if you're currently giving proportionally, prayerfully consider giving sacrificially. Um, because again, back in those days, 10% for that poor society was a time where it's like, okay, that's where we really feel. Today, maybe that's, maybe that's a percentage that, that, that expresses a heart of worship. Maybe it's not. The point is, what would the Lord call us to do? Not by way of amount so much, but by way of a heart of saying, I trust you, I love you, I worship you. Uh, one of the ways that we bring offering is through, is through that means, uh, but it's so much more than that, and so much more beautiful even as we consider it more fully. 
Romans 12, verse 1, uh, states, states it probably most succinctly when the Apostle Paul wrote to the early church this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's that same word, by the way, that we have for offering in our text in Hebrews. A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What then, according to that text, is our offering? It's not just stewarding our resources. It's stewarding our entire lives. It's anything we can do by faith unto the Lord. Our lives are living sacrifices, which means striving for holiness, taking sin seriously, even when people aren't watching or paying attention, can be a fragrant offering to the Lord. Asking for forgiveness or owning our faults can be a fragrant offering to the Lord. Serving Him in his church can be a fragrant offering to the Lord, whether it's setting up and tearing down, whether it's you know helping people feel welcome, whether it's serving in the kids, whether it's driving trailers. It can be a fragrant offering to the Lord. Serving the poor or the needy is a fragrant offering to the Lord. Looking to care for those, say in the workplace, that others there uh, seem to, to overlook or not pay much attention to can be a fragrant offering offering to the Lord. Getting up in the morning and deciding, you know, I want to spend this time, a little bit of time with the Lord and get into his word and spend a time, uh, uh, some time praying can be a fragrant offering to the Lord. Seeking reconcil uh, reconciliation in relationships, as we've, we've talked about, can be a precious and fragrant offering to the Lord. The list, of course, is endless. Our lives, everything we can do by faith is something that is a, a, a can be of a precious offering unto the Lord in worship. And I would just say that this is true in hard times, probably especially hard in hard times. Because I can't help but think when we're facing especially hard times, the Lord looks at our humble offerings and all the more, it's all the more precious to him. To think of it this way, it might be hard for some of you to get up right now. I mean, in Following the year of 2020 and at the start here of this year of 2021 already, maybe when you wake up in the morning, it's, it's hard to get out of bed. You know, you're, you're, you're down. You don't really feel like facing the day. You might even think or feel, what good can I bring? But what this little verse here in Hebrews uh, chapter 11 verse 4 tells us is we can bring so much. And it doesn't take a whole lot. We get to offer our lives to the Lord. It's not about what we accomplish or like the size or the, the flashiness of what we can do. That's not what God is interested in. He doesn't need what we can do or, or the amount we can bring. or the, He doesn't need any of that. What he desires and we, what he seeks most is, is our hearts as we worship him by faith. As we wake up in the morning and maybe it's especially hard and we say, God, here I am. Here's what I offer you by faith. Now, how can we do this, any of this? Uh, not because of Abel. You know, as wonderful of a story as Abel gives us here, as wonderful of an inspiration that he and some of these other ancient men and women of faith give us in Hebrews 11, their stories are not the power that we need to actually do what we're talking about here. But what does give us the power and what does enable us to live a life 
of sacrifice and bring offering is what God has done for us. Uh, This is what the gospel or good news of Jesus Christ is all about. When he gave his life, his life as an offering, as a sacrifice, on the cross, after coming into this world and living the life that we couldn't live, died the death that we deserve. Meaning, he didn't just come into this world and offer a sacrifice for our sins, for our failings, for our rebellion and all the wrongdoing we do towards the Lord, which would make him, you know, would separate us from himself. He didn't just offer a sacrifice for us. No, he was the sacrifice on our behalf. Meaning, the gospel tells us that God didn't just bring us into being. And he, did not, he does not just provide for us, but he gave us everything, including his life. The life of his son. Meaning, if he sacrificed in that infinitely great way for us, to the extent that we let that melt into our hearts is the extent we can begin to just humbly offer up just a, you know, an offering to him. Saying, Lord, if you've done that for me, I just, I want to live a life of worship to you, saying thank you, and I, I trust you, and I just want to express and act out my love for you with, with my finances, certainly, but also with my life, my time, my energy, my talents. We love because God first loved us. One last thought. Our verse here ends with, and by faith Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. This is a powerful thought. It's saying that the offerings we bring God bring him glory, bring him honor and praise, but they also ripple out as he does his eternal life-changing work through it, through our offering. When we offer our lives as a living sacrifice to him, to love as he calls us to love and has loved us, to serve as he calls us to serve and has served us, these little offerings... Uh, he uses toward great ends. Uh, one of my humble convictions or, or passions is t- to think that oftentimes, I, it seems to me, Christians don't realize the impact that, that God is having through their humble service to him. I mean, I think so often God is doing so much more than we realize that he is doing. It, it, it often ripples out far beyond what we could see or tell. Let me just use an example uh, to kind of you know, bring, this, bring this to light. Uh, by God's grace, here at Current, we've now seen about 70 adults make first-time faith decisions for Jesus, which we, are just, we just give God praise for. You know how the Bible talks about how, how, he, how, the Bible hypes, how, how the Bible hypes it when people put their faith in Jesus? It says that heaven throws a party anytime one person puts their faith in Jesus. Because that's, that's eternity. That's death to life, resurrection. Heaven's throwing a party anytime one person puts their faith in Jesus. By God's grace, we've seen him now through current bring at least about 70 adults uh, into into his family. And we've always said it this way. Man, if we start this church just for one person to put their faith in Jesus, that'll have been worth it. But let me ask you, how do you think God has done that? How, How has God brought folks like these into the faith? He has done it, it seems to me, quite clearly through the faithful, humble sacrifices of many of you here in the current family. As, through, through, as you bring offerings financially, certainly, but as you serve, as you serve in the church, you know, set up and tear down, driving trailers, 
teaching the next generation of kids, setting out, setting out coffee. I like to think that that's an especially fragrant offering to the Lord. In midweek, being intentional about relationships in the workplace, having conversations with people to the extent we can, making connections with people, living lives uh, living as living sacrifices to God. God takes all those things, especially when you think about the body doing it together, and uses it toward his life-changing eternal work such that it continues to speak and ripple out far beyond us. Like Abel woke up that day thinking he was going to do one thing, and it just, it's still, we're still talking about him today. Jesus at one point said some seed will fall on, on, on good soil, and it will multiply out 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Often through our most faithful, faithful, and excuse me, in humble sacrifices or offerings, God chooses to do wonderful things that are going to just ripple out because it's about glorifying Him, bringing honor, and joining Him in His life changing eternal work. So here we are, the beginning of a hard year, facing some hard times for some of you, especially so. But God gives us this wonderful opportunity to live a life of faith and live a life of power because of what he can and will do through it in our offering. So how might you lean into this this week? An offering, uh, living sacrifice uh, unto him. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much how you were a living sacrifice for us. In fact, you, you sacrificed your life for us on the cross. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, you brought us into existence. You provide for us in every way. And you gave us your life, your son, when we just utterly did not deserve. So we give you praise. In fact, if there's anybody here today who's never received you, uh, we pray that you would help them even now choose to put their faith in you and receive you now. And by the way, friend, if you're on right now and you're listening, uh, you can do that today by just receiving what Christ has done for you on the cross. By believing on his name, it says, he gives the right to become children of God. Father, would you help us be a church of individuals and a body of believers marked by our faith in you and lives, living lives of living sacrifices. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.